Yo, Joburg, this is episode 249, where three friends chat about G.I. Joe. My name is Steve, I'm joined by... Nine-Nine. <laughs> by Paul. <laughs> by Paul. <laughs> and, and Rob, lovely wintry Rob. Ah, yes. Well, it is winter in the Southern Hemisphere. Sorry, everybody up north, but we have suddenly turned <laughs> our attentions to uh, the weather. And yeah, it's it's never snowy in our parts of the globe, but uh, it's pretty wet. I've just come out of two weeks, almost two weeks of solid rainfall. Oh, amazing. Is it? I don't know, man. This is a pretty sunny place, and I kind of miss the sun. After two <laughs> weeks of not seeing it, you're like, jeez. Complaining for six months, it's so hot, it's so hot, and suddenly he's like, I miss the hot, where is it? <laughs> where is my spicy weather? <laughs> yeah, you expect you'd never say that, but honestly, like, too much of a good thing, right? Anyways, our topic <coughs> this evening, this morning, this day, or whenever you're listening, is going to be along the lines of childhood misconceptions that we had about the G.I. Joe toy line, and we've all had them. I'm pretty sure if you racked your brain, dear listener, you would come up with a few zingers yourself. Feel free to scroll down in the comments section and add them to the chorus. But yeah, the three of us are going to come up with our top three misconceptions about G.I. Joe toys. What wacky, wild, and wonderful things do we think these toys could do or couldn't do when we were wee infants? Or, um, as might be the case, uh, young adults. Let's see which of these misconceptions were held, like, well into our, our adult life. Yeah. But first... At, at least think... one of mine is going to surprise you. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait! But in keeping with our theme of wet and wild, gentlemen, <laughs> we thought we'd crack this show open by talking a little bit about playing with G.I. Joe toys in the rain. In our non-video audience, uh, that was just a delightful musical interlude. But it featured Paul and I playing in Chattanooga, Tennessee, with some recent acquisitions that we got at, uh, well, before JoeCon 2018, actually. We got them from our delightful friend Greg's place. And mm. we were messing with them in the rain before heading to the convention that day. It was a water moccasin with a custom bat it was a, a red laser bat or some, i don't know it was a medi bat it was kind of a teal uh, bat design um versus the tiger fish piloted by eco warriors flint and paul's hand <laughs> who won in that duel of uh fast boats paul eco warrior flint saw his butt dude he dude, really i can't believe it a named character sort of top tier gi joe hero got killed i mean 
did you always kind of roll over and play dead in your childhood games or were you no, just, dude, being it was just very diplomatic to me no it was just it was just seemed like the right setup and it was a fun thing to flip the boat in, an ex- in a <laughs> glorious explosion i was like i was sad that i wasn't cobra that day but it's cool man like it was fun well, of course you know that flint got out of that explosion alive right oh, of course he did he always does he did. which prompts us to talk about times we spent playing with toys in the rain and i think i've spoken approximately far too much already so i'm going to invite my man rob to step up to the mic for that reason and also the reason that whatever story he doesn't tell is the one i'll go for (laughs) i mean i i have a few in my memory but they all involve you rob so you have the chance to steal my thunder oh my goodness well one of my favorites is um when we decided to, or you decided, I think. Uh, so your dad had the whole back alley. It was he was not using it for anything, and we basically converted it into its own little swamp. Um, kind of proceeding down, uh, dug it out, um, and I do definitely remember a couple of days when we spent outside there in the rain. Um, and like playing in the rain is such a fun experience, and it's even more fun when it's in in a place that you are used to seeing being one way, but you've kind of it's now completely transformed, um, which I think generally happens with the rain itself. But when you suddenly have this this part of a place that you've always played in, and it's now completely flooded with water and filled with water, it makes things just so much more visceral. I think playing in the rain feels more real, or at least more realistic to me for some weird reason. But it's kind of it feels more like a visceral, like you're outside, you're in the rain, you can feel the rain if you're ready for it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever do you mean, Robert? <laughs> well, I never mind being out in the rain. Like like being out in the rain is a lot of fun. But I need to like have fair warning that you know we're going to be playing outside of the rain. <laughs> if yeah, I have I no warning, I time. get very upset. I can recall a time <laughs> where we happened to find ourselves in a downpour and you kind of were like, okay, let's go inside. And I was like, no, 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 this is, this is planned. And you're like, Steven, if you want to play in the rain, that's fine. I don't, I'm not pissed off with you for wanting to play in the rain, but I'm pissed <laughs> off with you for not giving me any kind of heads up that this is what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. So good. Good. Yeah. I think, I, I think I'm, cause I'm, like I, I dress especially for it, you know, like I'll dress down or I'll wear clothes that I don't intend to wear. For the rest of the weekend you know when i was when i was visiting steven so well, i had my reasons. practicalities like did we have ponchos and rain jackets or did we just like get into our swimming costumes and go outside i think we just got in yeah as minimal clothes as possible like there's just no reason to kind of like, maybe we weren't like in our like you know swimming trunks necessarily but we we weren't bothered about what was getting wet while we were playing we didn't get dressed to be like, oh, I, I gotta have an umbrella so I don't get wet. Um, yeah, Cape Town doesn't experience like freezing rain. It's not mm. ice cold. It's it's cold, but when you're playing and you're kind of down on your knees and getting up and running around, you're you know generating enough heat uh, to not really mind the cool and the wet. Yeah, you can so, be yeah, out there. It, it's plausible that we were kind of dressing down to the extreme <laughs> or wearing raincoats. I don't know. I think we did one of, one of the two. I don't think we did raincoats. At least I don't think I did. Hmm. I, I don't remember us often or ever using raincoats. I mean, even at other times when we played just after rain, um, I think when we did the first video, 
um, at that um, lake there near Miesenberg. I think that that day it was just it had just been raining. Well, this is a good segue because I was going to tell the story about the shooting of Atlantis Factor Part One. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty grey-looking day. Um, in, in our initial idea to shoot that day was going to be a Ghost Striker X16 review to be shot on the other side of the bay, like looking at Table Mountain. But because mm -hmm. it was overcast, that kind of bust that plan because Table Mountain looks at its best when it's not covered in cloud. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we decided to go to the other side of the coast and shoot in our favorite spot where we had shot the air commandos gliders yes, um, yes. and we took the transportable tactical battle platform and a couple of helicopters and we decided to try it like string up the, the platform and fly it across the water um it was threatening to rain that whole day but we managed to get everything done like the helicopter sequence the the landing of the platform and we started to feel a little bit of wet so we decided to pack it in and head back to the car and i was like Robert, we could make something of this. Yeah. If we just did a few like glory shots of the guys scrambling around the you know, the exterior of the battle platform and, and manning its various stations. It could be not only a review, but also like an in situ play motion style like this is before play motion was a thing, actually. Yeah. For us. No. Before um, this it had all just been reviews, like they there might be little action sequences in the review. Well, the idea with this one was get Shipwreck to basically give a guided tour slash review of the transportable tactical battle platform. I can never get my mouth around that damn word. Battle platform. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about. The oil yeah. rig. So we, I cajoled you and twisted your rubber arm, Robert. We went out again into the drizzle and started shooting like, like close-ups of the radar station and the guns and the uh, removable engine cover well, maintenance covers whatever you want to call them um and that could string together quite nicely as this i don't know this this like very suspension of disbelief kind of adventure where it's masquerading as a review or vice versa the review is masquerading as an adventure um, and that's that's how it all started. But if you go back and watch that video, there's a distinct moment at which you start seeing like the frosting, the little patina of of, of wet drizzle drops on the plastic. And then you know, you know, it's getting wet and wild up in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's transitioned. We've, we've moved away from reviews. And we're making movies. Mm. Hell yeah. Let's hear from Paul. Yeah, guys. So, um... A lot of this type of stuff happened when I was a kid, obviously, because uh, the last time I played with Toys in the Rain was at Chattanooga with Steve. <laughs> um, that said, I've never owned, and to this date, still do not own a raincoat. <laughs> because like Rob, I like to. I also like being out in the rain. I'm a big fan of The Cure as well. I'm, I'm a, t a total emo kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, coming back to childhood uh, playtime in the rain. Uh, so... David and I would often like uh, play like these big G.I. Joe missions out sometimes in the garden and and what have you. And during school holidays, I, I imagine this was a school holiday because it was the whole day. We were like at my house the whole day and um, we had sort of got on this mission. We had gone out in the morning um, to the shops or something and come back home and we decided we we're going to 
do GI Joe's. So David went over to his place and he brought a whole bunch of Joe's over. And my dad was like um, updating the walls and things and he was building walls around the perimeter of the house. So we had these massive mounds of sand. And so we like to build in these like sort of caves into the to the sand. And it was great because we could build these huge forts. You know what it's like? You spend all the time setting it all up, right? And so we did. And then, but at the same time, like, you know, it was like the cartoons. This is why I feel it was school holidays because cartoons were on and we're like, okay, cool. KTV is about to start. Um, and it was fine. And I think at the time, Mask was on KTV. Um, oh, and we were wow, like really enjoying yes. that. Yeah. And I think Battletech may, may have followed. So Dave and I were like, okay, cool. Let's go inside quickly, watch Mask, and then watch Battletech or possibly Beast Wars or one of the two. Um, you know, and it was cool. And then we would sit there and then it would start raining a little bit. And we were like, oh, the rain's not so bad. It would be fine. We'll just, you know, we'll, we, we, let's just finish the cartoon. We'll be okay. And then it starts pissing down with rain. <laughs> okay. So we're like sitting there going, well... You know, they'll be fine. The toys will be fine. And then later on in the evening, um, or like late afternoon after Power Rangers or something had been on or whatever, we were like, okay, well, the rain had sort of cleared up. So we go outside to go and get our toys. And yeah, that was, they were just, it was just mud. We had to like dig our toys. My dad was a little annoyed <laughs> because we completely, you know, that pile of sand is useful when it's a pile of sand, not when it's been spread over the bloody garden. <laughs> and so... Yeah, so we were, I'm pretty sure I lost a, a good chunk of G.I. Joe accessories um, that day, missiles, what have you. I'm sure that they're actually in the wall. They're mixed in with the cement that was used <laughs> for the wall. Um, but uh, yeah, David and I were digging wow. out yeah, Joe pots in the mud. And then also, you know, because, you know, Dave and I, like we go, okay, well, you know what? We can't bring, like, we're full of mud now, so... My dad's like, use the hose pipe, clean yourselves off. Well, <laughs> so then that ended up being a whole adventure of like shooting GI Joes with like high pressure hose pipes and seeing how far they flip off the rain. <laughs> so good times. Uh, and then we eventually got the mud off and yeah. Anyway, so that, that's my one uh, good rain playing in the rain story. Bloody brilliant. Gents, just as a, a diversion and perhaps an advertisement break. What do you know about Grindstone Toys, Call Sign Longbow? I know that they exist. I know that they're doing cool stuff for, Ro for Roboskull. No, no, no. Uh -huh. But I, I know that they're doing some cool pieces for the Roboskull campaign. And I do know that they have had a Kickstarter recently. Oh, yes. You know more they're... than I do. I just thought they made cool, like, Diageo-related, like, accessories. Okay. Well, they are making figures and their campaign which launched in May of 2022, uh, funded in six hours to complete. Wow. They're now working wow. on stretch goals. Uh, I haven't checked the, the, the latest total. This information will, of course, be out of date the second um, I've stopped recording, so I'm <laughs> not going to give the dollars. But uh, they, they've unlocked um, this guy. His name's Outlaw. And he uh, looks very familiar uh, <laughs> with his uh, baby blue uh, jumpsuit and, and, and dark colored uh, body armor. Um, so this is a, a no-brainer kind of purchase for yours truly. But the Corsan Longbow is set in 1986. It is set in the Cold War. 
the bad guys the good guy leader is an ex-green beret now a member of longbow and the bad hmm. guys are soviet Ooh. russia yeah <laughs> amazing yeah 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 and uh anyone who is listening to this who doesn't know about Corsan longbow i uh, urge you to scroll down and check out the link in the description below to their kickstarter and see what they're all about but it is going to be the authentic 3,75 uh, <laughs> O-ring style <laughs> action figure. And yes, this that I'm currently uh, flashing on the screen is a stretch goal. He's a henchman uh, who's wearing a tracksuit. Comes with a Molotov cocktail and an AK-47. Oh. I mean, this is a figure that like should have existed in the 80s. Uh, really? We're is it an Adidas tracksuit? It's <laughs> asking well, for a friend. How many stripes does it have? I think it might be trademark infringement if they use the three stripes. Yeah, of course. Maybe it's That's two. That's why Crumby has two. <laughs> exactly. Think about it. It's probably pretty authentic that way anyways. Because, like, what Soviet-era henchman would be wearing, like, a non-rip-off Adidas? You know, this is this is a, a Fong Kong. Um, what do you call it? Ah. A knockoff. Knockoff. Thank you. A knockoff. Yeah. Adidas tracksuit. <laughs> Uh, Idi you know does. Really does. cheap feeling ones. They're like school tracks. I can't believe material. I haven't seen this figure till now. <laughs> this is great. This I want him. Great. Because yeah, this, this this throws me back to a joke in Grand Theft Auto 4, uh, where uh, Nico Bellic, the main character, uh, he's like chirping his one cousin or he's chirping somebody. He's like, Why do you have to look like a Russian stereotype with your tracksuit and gold chains? <laughs> <laughs> well, there he is. we love a stereotype here let me tell you and it fulfills a niche that hasn't existed for a while like i've oftentimes thought let me put together a hostage situation for the joes to defuse and I had to wind up using like every beachhead figure that i possess because <laughs> like just balaclava looking baddies is something that doesn't exist unless they actually look distinctively cobra um, so if you want a third faction, if you want something more informal, yeah, man, this is the stretch goal to like go all in on and just army build. Figures are going to run you about 25 bucks a piece, excluding shipping. But that ain't bad. bad, man. Yeah, I, I yeah. say that's that's kind of up there with, with uh, what Hasbro is putting out. And this is an independent. Um, Grindstone Toys, are. this is their flagship brand, the call sign Longbow uh series of toys they have great plans mm. and it all starts here so if you want to be part of the success story and get your hands on some pretty awesome figures in 2023 hit that kickstarter Heck i was yeah. delighted I think... to be on an episode of sergeant slaughter slaughterhouse which is currently available where we interviewed troy mckee and john kukovich the two guys responsible for grindstone toys and it was a ah, very boom. very interesting chat uh, got some some inside scoop on a lot of things that i felt um i hadn't heard uh, mentioned in other interviews but they've do been they doing have gummy rounds. hands yes they do gummy oh, hands and cool. uh they have wrist articulation so every yes. figure is designed to have just that little break between their uniform and their gloves so it, it's very well hidden but it does have a swivel at the wrist so that's gummy also hands, something swivel wrists uh guns are made of hard plastic but helmets straps hats masks they're also kind of flexible and um, operation so. recall is also doing that with their their o-ring figures they've got a, a, a swivel battle a swivel uh swivel wrist battle grip 
look, it's a winning formula and immediately kind of, like, I hate to admit it, I mean, they are the one advancement that I would happily add to every O-ring figure I possess. Kind of wish they did have have that. Yeah, yeah, they kind of have shown up my... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my chosen toys uh by by one but one that's a good one. thing mm. i know it's like it's a little bit like like regrettable but at the same time it's a good thing it's like thank you like that is that is something that we want and that i think every fan wants but didn't know they wanted until they had it and on that same thing or by that same token like the so the grip the hands are going to be nice and grippy and <clears throat> they've got the swivel wrists which is super super cool um like i take it you quizzed him about the plastic i take it there's a bit of uh you asked if the plastic will pass the touch test yes uh, that's sort of hard abs for the most part uh the figures will be on card what the sort of the, the main release figures will be on card the exclusives will be bagged with a red red cardboard uh, well with a red file card and uh, ex- accessories included in the bag so it'll be oh, the nice same experience friend. as buying carter joe's on the one hand and then getting mail away exclusives uh on the other hand very nice uh, very and i very think it's 100 cool. and i think it's 100 usd that nets you any four figures mm-hmm. um and now that they're hitting their stretch goals or that they've hit some of their stretch goals i think I mean, they originally only had four figures, but I think it's something like six or seven figures that are available now that you can choose from. Um, I'm a bit fuzzy oh, on yes. that. I'm not looking at the page oh, right gosh. now. Gosh, how do you yeah. choose? <laughs> right. Um, and if you wanted something of a bit more of a sci-fi bent, well, my friends, look no yes. further than the Ghost, or the Steel Web Infiltrator. Hmm. He is oh. a very armored, very techy-looking dude. Uh, gives you some reuse parts from the Skeletron uh, O-ring mm. figure, mm. but does it up in this beautiful purple uh, with Ooh, so nice. neon green highlights, sort of technical glow. I'd say, yeah, this is this is the standout for me, obviously, and a kind of a must-have figure. Him and that like Russian henchman dude, <laughs> they're like right up there for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And then the last thing of note, I suppose, is they are going to produce the uh, oh, Marauder cool. Task Force body, like the sort of the basic guy with sort of some add-on parts, um, various pouches that you would have to plug in on the Marauder Task Force body. Well, here they are kind of set into the mold, but it is uh, the Desert Ops uh, Marauder Task Force figure reimagined as a o-ring style retro figure I so it has great. to be seen to be believed friends but it's a <laughs> it's a lovely symphony of new versus old and beautiful uh collaboration between marauder and grindstone yeah good to see that kind of thing happening that's very that is... good so which way are you leaning in terms of the kickstarter paul are you wanting to army build out a certain type or well i say I... army build at 25 bucks a pop it's it's a little bit prohibitive but i like the i i kind of like the hundred dollar deal at the moment um i've got Ooh. two figures there that i definitely love um uh, that i have to have um initially it was the one that i love and then the three others that i thought okay well i'm gonna like them because they're gonna yeah you know, find a space for them but as it stands now i'm starting to build up that i'm trying to keep it i'm gonna cap myself at four i don't think i'm gonna army build 
if I do army build, I might get two of those Belaclava dudes though. I, as you mm. mentioned earlier, uh, earlier for like hostage situations, that kind of stuff, it's actually really cool to have those, that, that kind of, you know, looking character uh, in your play. I wish but... there was a way of getting them palette swapped, like have a guy in a blue, have a guy in a red and have a guy in, I don't know, a green jumpsuit or tracksuit. Mm. So many options. I suppose a customizer's brush will uh, do that the duties. Will that mm. will definitely fix it for anyone who wants it like that. Yeah. Mm. But cool. Um, but yeah, I think uh, misconceptions are, are on the table for us. Let's do it. I think <laughs> I'm going to take first blood by saying that when I looked at the Cobra Bug in the 1991 European catalog, which was doing the rounds at the time, it was firstly love at first sight, but secondly, I thought to myself, wow, this, this is quite a considerable vehicle. It's, it's large, it's got lots of visual intrigue, it's a submersible, and my previous experience with kind of amphibious craft was the Warthog, which I don't know if you can practically do it, but at least theoretically, you can maneuver a figure into all portions of the Warthog. Like, they, there's a crawl space, basically, between the back section and the, the sort of the operator's seat. Yeah. So, yeah. effectively, the entire Warthog interior is interconnected. Well, my friends, my misconception when it comes to the bug was, I thought that it was all interconnected. The back hatch, the side hatches, the front hatches. I thought that you could basically puppet a figure through the entire craft into whatever was occupying the central section. Hopefully like a nerve center with computer screens and I don't know, decontamination chambers and various uh, greeblies uh, that they can interact with. I guess I was kind of influenced by Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon or Star Trek. Uh, and I expected this toy to do a hell of a lot more than it actually could. <laughs> which is quaint um it does a hell of a lot anyway and its limitations are kind of on the tin there's there's no way it could have had this <coughs> nerve center in the center of it but in my child mind fantasizing about this toy on christmas eve of i think it was 1992 when i was about to get it well, no it was 1993 christmas eve 93 and i was about to get it the next day and i was like oh it's going to be so exciting, like, discovering what's in that central section. Okay, there wasn't it's anything. But that's the shared misconception <laughs> that we both have. Oh. Because, yeah, I, I saw this toy in CNA at Cresta in a box. It blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God, this thing's amazing. I have to have it. And naturally, um, I had this catalog because it came with the Warthog. Uh, mm. Well, yeah, I must have because it came with the mm. warthog, and then I went. No, into... it came with the Fang too. You got it. With yes, your that's where it. That's yeah. where it came from. Yeah, and so yep, I poured Steve over knows images. Paul's collection better than Paul does. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I couldn't remember which one. No. Where, yeah, where, who this catalog <laughs> came from. So, <laughs> super nerd over here knows everything. <laughs> yes, thank you, super nerd. Anyway, so. Like, and I do that. I do this even still today, by the way. Like, if I see something I'm excited about, I go like nuts. 
Uh, I go <laughs> online, I look at catalogs, I watch YouTube videos about it. I try to find out every single thing I can about it. it it's a great thing. Um, even after I've got it, I sometimes do that. And with this bug image, this was the image. <laughs> I've got the I toy had... on my shelf, but instead I'm going to watch a YouTube video about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, mean, I do do stuff like that. Yeah, because like, it's yeah, just I interesting. Think we all do, like, actually. We do, right? And I had that same misconception. I thought, okay, cool. Those little yellow hatches open and you could put guys like inside it. You know, like you could go in from the inside there and then it was maybe somehow connected to the front section. And I was like, that is amazing because I had a warthog. So, you know, I figured it was the same thing. I wasn't disappointed when I got it because I would then find out that you could put the jet ski in those yellow portions. And that was really cool. And then at some point, I think I even like cramped up dudes in there and Trojan horse this thing. <laughs> like, you know, it's so, not a comfortable ride. You're... Nah, it's sure not. It's like being in a car boot. But uh, yeah, so that, for, yeah, but I share that me, with you. I had a different misconception with the bug. Because I don't oh, remember yeah? Steven not having both the bug and the, and the, the hammerhead. So with the hammerhead, you can detach all of these things on the outside. They all come off, you know, and they become their own little like, submersibles and stuff. Yeah. So for me, I thought that the, the little side things on the, on the bug were actually removable because they look like they should be. Hmm. Yeah. But they actually aren't. Like, I'm, I'm like, okay, I can take them off the, the hammerhead, but I can't take them off the bug. What's going on here? I feel like that maybe at some stage of the design process, that absolutely was a thing. Because I think it why, definitely was. Why else can you put a, an operator on the engine they sells? Like, it's clearly got a screen. It's got the handles. Like, the guy's writing it in the, the box art. Like, yeah. Why is this not a detachable side submersible? Because it's, or, a, it's so similar to the hammerhead that, I mean, you know, it has all these things that already come off it. There's at least three things you can take off it. Why not those? But well, maybe they just the lifespan like of the line. The, the mm. bug did come first by a fairly large margin. I mean, certainly large enough for the hammerhead designs to not be in existence yet when the bug mm. hit toy shots. Yeah. It's oh, conceivable. touched on the hammerhead. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I always love to touch on the hammerhead. But uh, in the same breath, I thought the Raider was a like an Imperial Walker. I thought that those little support <laughs> legs on the front of the Raider made it like a half track, half AT-80 or AT-ST. <laughs> well, if that's all you have to go off, you know, like, what are you supposed to think? You know, is this just one picture? Okay. Anyway, I feel like an idiot, but I suppose that's the beauty of this topic. Uh, we're exposing those things that we were stupid and thought as children. Um, well, I who's think... Next? I'll go next. I think a pretty fundamental one, at least I'd like to think a lot of people had some sort of misconception when they were first introduced to G.I. Joe's. Um, I thought G.I. Joe's was just a toy line. I came, which was just strange because I come from, at least when I was a kid before I started getting G.I. Joe's, I come from collecting He-Man. I mean, like five, does a five-year-old collect He-Man? I think their parents obviously buy whatever. He-Man <laughs> and, and <laughs> Thundercats. Um, and they had the cartoons. Um, uh, so, I mean, but the thought never entered my mind that, that G.I. Joe had their own cartoon or they had their own comic series. I think it was meeting Steven. I mean, Steven, I think, I'm sure you must have had at least some of the comic books with G.I. Joe when I met you. Um, mm -hmm. and it just blew my mind, uh, that it's not just a toy line. It, like, because it doesn't feel, you're looking at the toys, they don't feel necessarily like they have like this huge story behind them. Because I feel like with He-Man and Thundercats, it's so black and white. It's so obvious, you know, like 
or at least maybe because I'd watched the cartoons, like, of course, there's other stories about these guys. They're not just toys. They're characters in a, in a show. Um, so for me, fundamentally, at least initially, um, I, I just thought G.I. Joe was a toy line. And, you know, there was no associated media. There was no nothing that, that attached to it. Um, so it, it definitely was mind-blowing when, when, I, when I meet Steven and he's got all these cool toys. He's got dozens and dozens of Joes and and the, uh, uh, what are they called again? Comic books. Comic uh -huh. books, yes. And <laughs> that thing, that weird. thing that occupies that place that you work. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy because I had already, I, I owned a couple of comic books, but also being like six or seven, you're not reading much. So like I was used to like just watching stuff on television. That's why it's got pictures, mate. Hey. <laughs> Hey. Yeah, I've got to answer everything you about the comic books again. I'll tell you about your own work. I feel like I'm five years old again. Steven's ruining my life. Jeez, oh, not five, probably, at six five. Or seven. No. I ruined your life way later than that. <laughs> you, you made it much better as well. But, but you um, make an interesting point. I think things aww. like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and Thundercats, what is it about them? Maybe the kind of the mythological presentation or maybe that the key characters were such a tight ensemble with one kind of lead character and then his mates yeah um, whereas I think so in both cases certainly the series that we were getting which was the kind of 88 89 1991 series these guys were so anonymous and so nondescript yeah, like it's just totally a whole bunch could, of guys like yeah you could single one out who's good or bad but he it, it didn't feel like the core group of a cast of characters that made up a show so yeah, I it doesn't you, jump I out at you straight away that like this is these are characters in a story, um, but like but the, each character does have obviously its own story. I mean the file card like lays out an entire story about these guys. I don't mm. yeah. So that that's probably my most my major mm -hmm. misconception was uh, Joe's just toys. <laughs> no <laughs> tiny little Robert, it's much more than that. Little commercial break from the Bergforce. Gaz says his misconception about the whale was he thought it really floated until a friend, oh, wow. had, a friend had one and it sunk. Oof. <laughs> we definitely Followed thought a by... lot of things could fly float that don't float. <laughs> by Hans Charles. And Gaz, it doesn't float. But the commercial, though, from Hans oh, Charles. They lied. They <laughs> lied. Ah, uh, yes. And Gaz, once again... When I saw the Mauler as a kid, I thought it was an RC. Huh? Thanks to Mauler wow. Joe, it now is. But yes, out, out of the box, really that cool. thing just just go forwards and backwards and left and right if you had your hand on it, which mm. kind of defeats the point. Yeah, man. And then Hans, oh, classic. I had a terrible misconception about the G.I. Joe General. I thought it sucked. I was very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> which segues sucked. <laughs> Which segues nicely into one of my misconceptions about G.I. Joe. Ooh. Yeah. I have three of these, by the way. So I don't know if I'm going to spill all three now or if you've got more, Steve. Oh, I think we all have three, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay, good. If I'm not under a misconception. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when, when Dave and I had gleaned over images of the general in the catalogs of G.I. Joe... We were like enamored by it. I mean, it was like this really big vehicle. You know, we, you know, there was a bug, there was a warthog. We had lots of fun with that. We were like, wow, the general is just that, but extra. It was just super cool. 
And the thought that we always had, and until very recently, until I'd say my 20s, when I got Mark Bellomo's guide, I honestly thought the G.I. Joe General was the biggest G.I. Joe toy ever made. I was like, this is the biggest vehicle ever made. David and I would like, you know, when you have these like conversations, like if you ever win like a million dollars, what would you buy? And the GI Joe general was up there. It was like, we're going to get the GI Joe general because it's huge and we can have so much fun with it and buy all this other Lego and crap. Um, and when I opened Mark Bellamo's guide, I was greeted by the USS flag, <clears throat> who we all know is, the biggest production toy ever made. Ever. Um, and yeah, that like my my world was shattered. I was like, what? This thing's been around this whole time and I never knew that there was a G.I. Joe aircraft carrier and that it was indeed this massive, you know, plastic offering from the gods, you know, <laughs> that it was. And that even under like further investigation, uh, I found, okay, yes, the General is, is still a bit bigger than the Terradrome, but not by much, at least from my, from my mental recollection of seeing one. I don't at, think it's uh, as tall as a Terradrome. No, definitely uh, not. It's no. anybody's <laughs> guess as to which has more plastic in it, because the General is kind of squat and spread out. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Never mind the <laughs> Defiant. I mean... Yeah, it's definitely more plastic in the Defiant, okay. Oh, hell yes. It's plastic um, wrapped in plastic, topped with plastic, with the plastic yes, underneath it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so for this whole, like, I just felt like such an idiot that I never knew about the flag. Like, it's just so stupid. And yeah, that was a misconception I had. I thought the general was the biggest GI Joe toy ever. And I listen, it still uh, it still has a bigger place in my heart than than the flag. I tell you, but. Yeah, that was that was my first one. So I figured I'd go in with the sort of weaker one of the two because the other two are quite fun. So I'll leave that up to. I'll uh, let's see what Steve's next misconception is. Okay, guys. So my buddy and I at the time, and this was, I'm gonna say 1992. I was seven, um, and we were debating which gi joe to get now these were slightly higher priced because they were sub teams uh, the one was uh, eco warriors and the other was air commandos he settled on cloudburst from air commandos i settled on clean sweep from the eco warriors because i could not wrap my seven-year-old mind over the fact that it said that the weapons really shoot water and if you look ah. at the card the the, the, the carded figure what weapon is shooting? I mean, the guy only has one weapon on the card art, right? <laughs> and I thought to myself, how, how can that little green pistol possibly shoot water? How could they fit the technology into such a small plastic piece that it can shoot water? What I hadn't realized was the water shooting thing was actually the, the the toy the plastic was covering up <laughs> its appearance on the card art <laughs> so i didn't see the stream of water coming off that stupid yellow sludge sucking robot uh and I immediately assumed that the only weapon that could possibly shoot the water was the pistol uh, i learned very quickly that i was wrong oh clean sweep hey you you had us mystified 
hiding your water squirting gimmick behind your actual water squirting gimmick. <laughs> well, it's a very misleading card art to a seven-year-old, as I say. But this I, was I, a misconception that was immediately dispelled uh, when I ripped the figure off the, the card and held up the little plastic piece and thought, nah, there's not even a nozzle I just want to comment squirt out of. I just want to comment on this picture before you switch it off. You know, looking at... I, I actually didn't realize Clean Sweep had such a smirk on his face. Look the... at that snort. His moustache. Oh. No, no, on, on the figurine. Yeah, like, let's let's get a zoom in there. Yeah. Look at <laughs> right. that. He's got, like, a little bit of a smirk. Like, the one part of his... Uh, I don't know if it's, like, an arrow of parallax or whatever. And then he's, like, on this specific image, he's grabbing his crotch. So... <laughs> It's well, just, you know a thing or two great. about lenses, Paul. Maybe towards yeah. the edge of the margin, things are slightly warped. Yeah, it might, there's probably lens distortion happening there. Maybe or there's yeah. a, a little bit of a factory error on his moustache uh, paint. I don't know. I don't think mine has quite a smirk. I'm going to grab mine out of the box just now after the show and, and have a Very look good. and see if Clean Why not sweep. do it? Because his helmet all. is always on. Because it's going to make a lot of noise. Oh. I'll, uh, okay, fine. I'll do it. We'll we'll turn this into an ASMR episode. Hold on. Paul brings us ASMR. Let me just take off my headset. <laughs> oh my Bob had a great misconception. I will mm. uh, recall it now. Based on cardbacks, I knew nothing of Snake Eyes and thought Quick Kick was the main karate guy of GI Joe. Oh, come right. on, you can be forgiven for that. That's an easy mistake to make. I mean, Quick Kick just screams that stereotype, that trope, where a snake yeah. looks like just a badass, sneaky dude. Ninjarati. Ninjarati. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to pop off his head. Ooh. Yeah, he does now. kind of have a little bit of a smoke. Hmm. Yeah. Well, him and good old Ozone, they have very heavily character faces. You know, they do hmm. not look like the dashing heroes of the of the G.I. Joe line to that point. Um, it's a they look like guys that have PhDs, which is perhaps perhaps the uh, the, the point. They, they spent no, their fair share of, of time in study as opposed to on the battlefield. Yeah, they're on the battlefield of science. Science. Rob hit us with another mis misdirection? Misconception. Misdirection. I will misdirect you. So it's probably quite a straightforward one. As I said, I, I came from a background of uh, He-Man and Thundercats. Um, and my ideas were mainly based on like sci-fi and space and aliens and stuff like that. <laughs> so one of my earliest figures was Target. Mm. And this is also having not being able to read. I had no idea what, a, you know, what his story was. Um, and just like looking at him, and I think my mom might have like read me the file code maybe like once, but very quickly. And all I got was like meteor showers, um, bio systems, and, and some rubbish. Some some guy called Des Destroy or something. Um, so I always thought, <laughs> until you know, I could actually read a couple of years later. That Paul, you need a haircut. Actual, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it's the second coming up in here. Sorry, Paul has switched <laughs> on his video and is now oh, showing his yeah. clean sweep smirk, which I can, yes, attest to the fact he that is yes, very he does smirky. have a kind of a, a raised right side to his lip. He definitely has. He's like, mm, mm. Mm. I think Paul, it's going to take me all day to clean up this shit. Thing. 
he's 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 very um lead singerish nice <laughs> <laughs> so i yeah i thought i thought target was an alien um <laughs> initially um he's some sort of space alien uh, you know his his commander was destroy or something like that and that that's who he was he was he was an alien and i i played with him appropriately um until i could eventually read and then I, and also i suppose yeah meeting steven and realizing oh wait a minute these guys are all based on earth yes you know the guy uh talks of viper looks like he's also a space alien but actually he isn't he's just a normal dude in a suit and target's popularity plummeted shortly after that didn't it <laughs> hey. went straight down in, in, into the you know the dirt it's like oh this is just a guy in a suit this is a Forget dude in a suit come on it's, it's like you know when i discovered that deadpool couldn't do all the cool shit i made him do ah <laughs> <sighs> uh, yes to anyone not in the loop uh when rob saw the deadpool action figure from toy biz immediately <laughs> fell in love with it but had no idea the guy's backstory or great design. powers whatever just made him a magic wielder slash telepath do anything yeah, that was a yeah. huge misconception, you know, non Giadra related. Deadpool was having <laughs> battles on the astral plane. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, which is funny because Deadpool has done all of those things. He really has eventually have done that. Rob, you're like... prescient, but I have a theory that you just wanted to play with whatever figure was powerful enough to get you from having to be down on your knees playing like on the ground. So anything that you could like hold in your hand and just walk around the house going <laughs> as an old man, even like, at nine or ten years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trevor Penn. Yeah. I feel like Al was the one who never happening. wanted to get on his knees though. I think he, he usually liked standing more than I did. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, oh. I had the kind of the brawlers, so I had to get down there. Yeah, you were like right in there. Wolverine, Sabretooth, Venom. You can't see what's I going do. on from up there. Yes, I can. I'm Deadpool. <laughs> I can see everything. <laughs> so, uh, we got a great question from Hans Chow. Uh, he goes, at G.I. Joburg, speak honestly. At what age did you start reading the file cards properly? Gentlemen. Hmm. So, I got my first G.I. Joe comic book in, ooh, I'm going to say 1993 uh so i was eight and i th was probably deciphering the text on the the backs of the file cards at seven i mean yeah Se seven late 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 into my second year of school okay. i think that's when you start being able to read books no but oh uh, i yeah. mean if we yeah. got started on the file cards we'd come up with a long long list of misconceptions because like they were just highfalutin words that you misspelled in your mind like uh, offhand i can't think of an example but i just know that there were words that like when i said them out loud my parents corrected me and i was like oh oh, oh okay <laughs> right yeah. like i think um larry harmer used uh a -Y, a w r y in yeah. one of the comic books and i always pronounce that Ori. Ori. Yeah. Oh, our plans went Ori. Oh, dear. That's when things went Ori. <laughs> so there's an example for you, but that's not a file card example. Um, but yes, uh, to answer your question, Hans, I think by eight, I was definitely 
sitting on the bog, reading through my stack of file cards. <laughs> over I can, and over and over. I can distinctly remember at the age of about five, six. Whoa! Because uh, I was in grade wow. one. Wow! Yeah, Genius I was reading. Part of it here. Good Lord. Oh, man. But I did have a very young reading age, like. Um, but I remember reading Deep Six's file card quite a bit and like asking my mom a lot of stuff, like some of the, like, what does this word mean and whatever, which is why I think we ended up getting a dictionary in the same year that I'd like go through and check up the meanings <laughs> of some like, of the stuff. I, I can't anymore. This is too much. She's just like, you're irritating the shit out of me now. Like, cause that, <laughs> that was like the thing that triggered me. Then I was like going through everything that I had that I could read. I was like, oh, cool. There's words <laughs> and like reading a lot of stuff. Um, As but I recall, yeah, so... that file card bangs on about his, his hobby for recording whale songs and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. for a five-year-old, what does that even mean? Mean. Exactly. And then I also remember Ambush's one as well, quite distinctly, um, because of the whole, um, he would hide away in his back garden for, like, days and nobody would find him and stuff like that. So, yeah, I I, I read them at quite a young age. I, I love that stuff. Um, it was cool. I mean, I, I, I've said it before on the show. Ice Viper's fucking file card goes on about the fact that they have their beards depilated. What? I think I, in my mind, I was like, depilitated? De 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 <laughs> yeah, he, he, was, he was not talking down to the kids who, who bought these toys at all. Which is good. And it's taken me a while to come around to the fact that they didn't grow out their beards as ice vipers. No, having your beard depilated means you had your hair removed. Mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, I think it's a cream, like, that... that kills the follicles and i don't know makes the hair fall out um and the reason being they didn't want their else. beards to ice up yeah I don't know. like okay i thought you wanted to grow out any fuzz that you have if you're in cold weather but just like what were these concepts they were putting to the file cards like that's madness what <laughs> child is going to get their head around that but uh, it, Paul, it got apparently. you asking questions hopefully <laughs> yeah but brain. um as a bonus, let's do a quick bonus round before we get to mine. Oh um, what is a word? Because actually Hans brought up a very cool thing. What is a G.I. Joe name uh, that you had trouble pronouncing as a kid? Like, you couldn't quite, like, get your head around it. Oh. Hmm. It's going to take some thinking. Hmm. Uh, look, I, I know that I used to call... Decepticons, deceptions. Yeah. Okay. Like when I, I saw that. the word Decepticon on the paper, on the card back, on the box, whatever, I immediately went deception. And when a kid tried to convince me that it was Decepticon and not deception like on, the, on the playground, duck. I was like, you idiot. That's not even a word. These guys are deceptions because they transform into things to hide themselves. They are deceiving you. They are deceptions. Idiot. <laughs> Little did you know that you were half right. <laughs> I was whole wrong, but I was passionate about spelling. <laughs> Misspelling, as it were. Yeah, so that's no. my entry. Not Joe, but uh, it's a goodie. And Rob? Gosh, I'm not actually sure. I think I was always very good at pronouncing everything. <laughs> I'd like to think... I mean, we didn't own him, but like Norgahide, I'd probably like... <laughs> Probably for yeah. fun, I probably was a Ganorga hide, but um, all oh, right, 
interesting it's an intimidating that you mentioned word even today. It's an intimidating word because I I always have pause for thought every time I write it out. I'm like, yeah, like how does right. this word work? It's like night. It's like why is there a K in front of that word? Oh, so, great one from Bob in the chats. Absolutely right. Grenadiers. I called them grenaders or grenade ears. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still hear people to this day calling them the Iron Grenaders. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. But was yours also uh, Norgahide, Paul? Mine was Norgahide as well. Um, and to give mm. you guys a bit of a backstory, not you guys, because you guys know this, but for our audience, I grew up in a household that is predominantly Afrikaans speaking, although my mom and I do speak English to each other a lot. My mother is actually from Belgium. So English is actually like her... Th- a third language, technically. Um, or, or, although I think, to be fair, Flemish is now her third language. But when she came to South Africa, she couldn't speak a word of English. And um, so there were a lot of words that were like, you know, I would read, but I wouldn't read out loud. Um, so my mom never had an opportunity to, like, correct me. And then when I did give her the opportunity to correct me, sometimes she couldn't always, like, figure it out. And Norgahide was just one of those that just, from my mom's, non-English brain <laughs> escaped her and you must understand what made this interesting was David had come into my life at about eight years old mm. and he ha- wasn't able to speak fluent English either I mean he's, he's Cantonese and he was also shy about his English so he was learning English through G.I. Joe as well like through you know character pronouncing character names and things so Norgahide was so badly pr- mispronounced like oh my god <laughs> okay <laughs> like you recall an example like, oh dude i i just can't it's like i think my brain is so hardwired not to say it incorrectly anymore um because i think i broke it like when i got it right i was like norgahide 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 that kind of thing it got Aww. into my head um because also fundamentally i think my first words were also afrikaans so there were certain things you know like as a kid i would still say in a funny way like woof <laughs> anyway um Oh, for some uh, reason, I thought Beachhead's name was Peachhead. Because Beachhead <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but Peachhead sounds even more ridiculous. <laughs> I just thought maybe he's got a, a funny, funny send-up name like Hattrick, Hattrick Lamond or whatever. Like, Peachhead. <laughs> he's got a Peachhead, guys. Because, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, code man. names shouldn't necessarily be like a cool-sounding thing. Sometimes you get sidled with and not Maverick. You know, like mm. I think, I guess, I think in the, the military, it was it was a joke. I think in the yeah. military, your code name is always like embarrassing. That's why it's because... always so rough on everyone else. Yeah. Where's Buttface Six Nine when you need him? I bet that yeah, is yeah. a call sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, onto my onto my misconception because you know the name mispronunciation is kind of in a weird way. It's kind of a misconception, but anyway, um, onto my next misconception. So when Stephen and I met, uh, one of the first vehicles, vintage vehicles he showed me uh, when he brought over a whole bunch of toys to the store was the Phantom X-19, which Mm. blew my mind. I was like, oh my word, this jet is huge. It is far bigger than I thought it was, uh, than I actually thought it was. I I didn't realize it was that big. For some reason, in my mind, couldn't quite get the scale of it in my head. I was just, you know, it was just this big hunk of plastic awesomeness. And I was like, that's cool. Not long after that, I would, however, I would get myself a Night Raven. I just want to show a picture of the Night Raven because, you know, in case somebody doesn't know what it looks like. 
But uh, I ordered myself a Night Raven from, uh, I think it was Dallas Vintage Toys. It's the one that normally sits behind me in the study. And I also didn't realize that this craft was as big as it was. Because when I got it, I was like, oh my god, this jet is huge. Now, remember something. I, until this point, had never owned any G.I. Joe jets. And the only G.I. Joe jets that I had seen a lot in catalogs was the X-19 the Sky Raven and the Liquidator and stuff. And the Liquidator, for some reason, those shots, the, I think it's because there's a hand in the shot, the scale of them was is immediately like sort of recognizable. They're quite small. So I figured all the jets in G.I. Joe were about that size. So when I got my Night Raven, I was blown away by the sheer magnitude of this thing. Because I was like, oh my word, this thing is massive. Which, you know, it's a great thing to say when you get a jet. Um... And so, yeah, so for the longest time, I didn't realize it was this big. And I'm so glad that it is. I'm so glad that it's just such a huge hunk of plastic. And uh, thank you, Hasbro, for that, for making it. That. I can relate. Uh, look, we, we, we didn't get the Sky Striker first time around. We didn't get the Raven first time around. The only, like, substantial G.I. Joe jet that I recall seeing on shelves was the Sky Raven. And mm. it was an enormous flat box. Like, when you saw it in person for the first time, only then did you understand, like, this thing is, it's considerable. Um, mm. So, yeah, man, getting those toys for the first time, like, it does kind of really immediately expand your understanding of G.I. Joe as a toy line. Like, this isn't just little figures and tanks and helicopters, like, dinky things that you can hold with one hand. No, no, no. Yeah. This thing requires two-handed support or maybe a team of children to <laughs> part this thing around like it's 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 a big deal yeah cool man and what Very is your last one dude cold. until steven got the mobat uh i didn't know that any gi joe vehicles were motorized at all hmm. like yeah. i like he got it right. and it's like it moves on its own what this is absolutely insane because I mean, it's, this? It's, it's, it's not like an it's, it's, I mean, it's because I mean it's from 1982, so it kind of makes sense that they're trying out new things in the very first um, assortment. Um, because you know everything else is like hand cranked. You know, like you mm. you turn um, the dragonfly, the the rotors. Uh, you turn the mobat rotors. Um, everything else is just wheels. You move them around yourself. But like seeing the mobat moving on its own is just, or you know, you make it move. Um, it was absolutely wild. Um, I just I just never realized that they they thought to include actual like electronics in in their in their toys. I think maybe before that the only thing I could think of was the uh, the flag having the the speaker thing. Um, and then of course then Stephen goes ahead and gets the other motorized one, the Mauler. <laughs> <laughs> and I think by that point I I knew that the Mauler could move on its own. Uh, but yeah, I I I'd never realized before Stephen got the Mobat that. Jojo had any motorized vehicles in the in the entire lineup. You know that was that required batteries to work. It does so feel was... out of character because it you, does know, you feel do weird. get loads of tanks that aren't motorized. Why are these two special? Mm. Yeah, it's it's weird because I mean you, you they could technically have done it with basically all of them. You know, like the Wolverine, um, any tracked thing yes. you could do it. It's just fascinating that the I mean the first eighty two I can understand because it's a new line they're trying out all these new things, but then three years later they come back to it you know in eighty five with the with the Mauler and then after that 
nothing else really that requires batteries. Yeah, yeah, very true. That's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, that was a big misconception for me, where I thought the entire line was just you know hand operated, but nope, there there's things out there that require batteries. Hand job operated. They're all hand jobs. Yeah, hand jobbed. Hand jobbed. <laughs> <laughs> My final and most grandiose misconception, uh, well, we'll get into why it's so grandiose, uh, <laughs> was around the character of Red Dog. Now, hmm. my buddy, Lyle, of the time, was A-team rugby, and he gravitated towards this guy because of the sports theme. I assumed the references on his file card was to rugby union rugby as played mm -hmm. by south africa the nations of new zealand and australia amongst others uh but those are the ones on the top of the hill um <laughs> in no no particular order of course of course uh anyway <laughs> well, i assumed that the references were to the game of rugby uh and, and that's why Lyle enjoyed this figure so much, because not only was he kicking goals, he was kicking the tar out of Cobra, and that, that, was, that was great fun. Um, also, Red Dog was uh, sold single-carded in South Africa um, on the Action Force, or the G.I. Joe, the Action Force card. So he got this guy and not the other two renegades. So his thing was this, this game of rugby. Um, You'd think that this was a misconception that was dispelled in later life, but, gentlemen, the Mandela effect is real, because I, to this day, up until very, very recently, thought that there was a variant file card in existence where the reference system being a barefoot place kicker was about union rugby. You know, I found out that um, file cards were localized, like a UK file card calls uh, Flint um, Daniel Fairborn and not Dashiell Fairborn. Long Range's file card refers to putting a, a shell in the goal mouth at Wembley instead of whatever the uh, American file card equivalent was. So I figured that just like that, Red Dog's file card was localized to take out the references to American football and insert Union Rugby. But nary a file card could be found. This year, in fact, I was laboring under this misconception. And I was searching furiously for a file card that referred to rugby and not football. But I couldn't find it. Can you blame me, guys? Because the guy comes from Samoa. And anyone who That's knows a big rugby, nation. absolutely, mm. all the Pacific Islands, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, they are rugby heavy man like they eat sleep drink breathe the stuff and they are serious threats on the world stage like fiji have been the the rugby sixes like champions they just dominate they're unstoppable um for instance so can you blame me for thinking almost to this day in fact that there was a file card out there where the references were changed to rugby i don't blame imagine you my surprise no. Self-proclaimed G.I. Joe expert over here. <laughs> Got it wrong. Big time. Gross I always career. thought it was Australian rugby. Like Aussie rules. Okay. League. Yeah, Aussie rules. Yeah. Actually, there's a difference. 
I, and I still haven't discerned it. After living here for two and a half years, I, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the difference between league and Aussie rules. I should get my wife to explain it again. But yeah, yeah. that's me. Uh, my, I suppose that's what makes him a renegade. You know, he, he liked American football more than he did rugby. Well, he lives in the United States, I think. Like yeah. the fire card does go on to say that um, he then became a stuntman in B-movies. So I assume he was working in Hollywood. So yes, he, hmm. he was born in Samoa, moved to the United States, played, uh, played football there, and then became a stuntman. Um, hmm. Nowhere in, in the interim did he play rugby union. I mean, he probably played it as a kid, but uh, didn't play professionally. Yeah. I just saw this picture um, in our brand oh. chat. This guy looks Hans cool. has got my back. He says, well, my headcanon isn't changing. Red dog equals rugby. Hey. Thank <laughs> you, Trinidad. Yeah, sorry. I just, I dig this dude from the longbow. And, uh, uptown. Uh, uptown. Yeah, very cool. Where to go Actually to change like the topic design. back to a topic that we covered and concluded like an hour ago, Paul. I just saw the picture <laughs> while I was grabbing my images. He's, to show very, quick, he's very easily distracted. So guys... <laughs> A lot of us had this catalog, the G.I. Joe, I think it's the 1992 catalog, or even could even have been the 93 catalog. It's the what one that has... What did you get has, it with, I honestly can't remember. I think, of anything, it might have been the Barracuda. Um, I never got that. Possibly. I got an, a European Barracuda catalog. Yeah, I don't did recognize you get this. this. Did you get your Barracuda from David when he went to Hong Kong? No, I didn't. But now that you mention it, uh, it's possible this might have come actually from David, from by way of David, this uh, mm -hmm. catalog for me. So once again, knowing Paul's collection better than Paul does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like you know, David and my collections are so like sort of intertwined, and I've got like, I've yeah, got all of these now anyway. Tell so what's like, what anymore. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we had this catalog, and inside the catalog, for anyone listening, uh, it's the one that has Duke. Duke, 1992 yeah. Battle Corps Duke uh, art on the front. Just yeah, shooting, firing shooting these guns. guns. And in there, there's like a bit of the like sort of Battle Corps. There's the Ninja Force in its entirety. There's DEF. There's um, the Supersonic Fighters, talk, uh, Talking Battle Commanders, and then also the role-playing gear, like that weird Duke gun and then the Snake Eyes mask and crossbow um, sort of role-play things for kids. But then they have this thing called the Hall of Fame G.I. Joe, and it's it's got a really awesome artwork of uh, Snake Eyes there. And you get one solitary image of Duke, and he's all dressed up in like 12, it looks like a 12-inch figure, it's all like real clothing and stuff. So this got me like super interested, and I remember thinking, wow, this is incredible. Fast forward a little bit, um, a friend of mine who came back from England actually had this Duke. And I was blown away by the quality of the Duke and a little, some of the little, I think one of the little pockets opens and it just had a lot of like stuff that just made it interesting, like holsters and things. I'd never really experienced a toy like this before, you know, yes, we were surrounded by Barbie and stuff like that, but none of them carried machine guns or war uh, army fatigues. So, and I always had it in my head that we would see snake eyes. It, we would be able to see the face of snake eyes. So if I got this. I would be able to see Snake Eyes' real face, and to it also Cobra Commander's real face. So one day I'm in Cresta with my mother, and this figure, this Snake Eyes Hall of Heroes edition, or Hall of Fame G.I. Joe Snake Eyes 12 inch, sneaks a look at me, 
at game. I was not expecting it. it was very excited. I was like, yes, finally, I too can see Snake Eyes' face. <laughs> so, grabbed this thing off the shelf. Uh, then, you know, convinced my mom to buy it for me, which thankfully she did. Thanks, mom. And uh, I, I couldn't wait. I opened it up in the car, only to be disappointed by the fact that when you remove his mask, this is what you get. Another mask. <laughs> and you get to see some of his face. The Russian doll of G.I. Joe. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm going to see Snake Eyes' face. This is going to be so amazing. And yeah, what a disappointment. Like, couldn't see Snake Eyes' face. Which, like, killed the whole line for me. I was like, I couldn't care about the rest. I think at game they had Stalker as well. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to grab Stalker next. But I have to see Snake Eyes' face. And in all honesty, I, I kind of wish I'd grabbed Stalker. Um, I act uh, and I mean this could be a Mandela effect thing as well. Uh, for all I know, it could be wrong. It could not have been Stalker in the in the store. But I just remember wanting Stalker more than this. But just getting the Snake Eyes because I wanted to see his face. It just yeah, wow. <laughs> and That's yeah, the they, they still kept it for me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, the tease. Bloody hell. Sidetrack though. Do you guys ever get incensed about the the fact that? The Mandela effect is, has kind of now entered the public consciousness it, it, that it's called that. Because isn't it uh, alluding to the fact that people are unsure of whether he spent 27 years incarcerated or not? Yeah, that, um, that does bug irk me. Yeah, it does yeah. irk me a little. Because it's kind of a big event did spend in our history. Yeah. yeah, a quarter of a century in prison. Yeah. That happened. Never and then mind he came the fact out that... and became the state president. Like that's 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 for real, man. And wrote an autobiography. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like, more than one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and there's tons of documentaries and things all over South African TV, at least, uh, of that. So, yeah, they could have called it anything else, but they had to go with that. Maybe that's just because it was such a huge misconception that um, they just had to. They had to had to keep fixing it, and it. I don't even know how the hell people come up with terms like this, but um, at least his name's out there, you know, and that makes them think about him. <laughs> or more. is it? I feel like almost uh, the Mandela effect now has surpassed Nelson Mandela's actual name as kind of the, the primary use of that term. Oh no! Um, to the not. point where people are kind of mispronouncing. It. Like I talk about misconceptions and mispronunciations. I've heard people say the Mandela effect. Oh no. Mandela. But Mandela is a completely different guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know Mandela. Mandela. Friend I know Mandela. Mandela. Good guy. Yeah. I also know Mandela. I, know, I like, uh, I like good know. guesses about <laughs> Snake Eyes. <laughs> he looks like Bones from Star Trek with a ski mask on. He totally does. I'm a doctor, you know? Jim, not a ninja. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool, man. I think that rounds up all of our misconceptions. If I'm not hmm. mistaken. I Which, uh, would like to add one thing to uh, to to everyone's... Uh, well, it's a very cool story, in fact, that I'd like to, to relate. Uh, so, oh, and I have a nice bonus one, too. Carry on. Oh, very good. Ooh. So, uh, those of you who know the channel know that uh, we did a deep dive on the Benlux catalogs um, some time back, about a year ago now. And out of that, <laughs> Mola Joe hit me up and said... Look, have you noticed that on, in the sort of the credits, the fine print on the one catalog, it actually lists the head of marketing's name. And this guy's actually on LinkedIn. So 
maybe you could contact him and, and get some inside scoop on the process of making these fabulous catalogs. Well, I reached out and this guy reached back and we've been communicating ever since. Um, he isn't so keen on the details because he preferred as a sort of a head of Hasbro uh, marketing in the Benelux of the time, he wasn't directly involved in the creation of the, uh, the catalogs. Like, I think he's downplaying his involvement. Maybe he's a bit shy. Maybe he's a bit recluse about it, but he was sort of saying, heaping the praise onto the photographers and the toy stylists and saying like, he let the creatives do their thing. He just did his thing kind of wasn't, in present in the studio sessions even though even still I, i'm sure he's still got some fabulous insights into just just the inspiration for creating these fabulous uh, toy catalogs anyways that's besides the point the point i want to make is he had a wealth of carter joe's uh in his possession that he actually wanted to get rid of uh get rid of wanted to sell them um and to that end i put him in contact with snowcat ron who lives a couple of hours, maybe, not even, maybe an hour's drive away. I don't know. They, they both live in the Netherlands. So it, it was a no-brainer that, that Ronald could help him um, find buyers for his stuff. Or alternatively, and this is what I hoped would happen, uh, offer to purchase it himself, which he did. And now all these amazing uh, Carter Joes, which have sat in an executive's collection for decades, are now with our buddy Snowcat Ron. That's who made wild. the most thrilling discovery of all. He had a carded Tiger Force Duke, but the card, the bubble had been um, cut open and the, the figure had clearly been removed uh, because it had some, some mud uh, on it. Hmm. And Ronald has the theory, and I, I believe him, that the carded Tiger Force Duke was the same Duke used in the Benelux catalog shoot. That the mud matches up with the same kind of mud they used in those layouts. Oh, no um, way. Tiger Force sequences. Yeah. He's even got a bit of like filler in the one foot peg hole. Yeah, it's like helping stand probably. Yes, which is the one that would have been planted on the set. Um, perhaps pinned in place with a metal rod or something. But yeah, there's a bit of filler or, or silicon, something inside his, his boot hole, which would suggest that he was used to stand in that setup. His boot hole. So it <laughs> is, is the same in figure from the I catalog. <laughs> ah, poor you bastard. Oh. It's the same <laughs> figure from the catalog, which is enormously exciting. That's absolutely insanely cool. Like, it's literally mm. the figure that they used, to the best of our knowledge. I'm you know, pretty sure checkers. it is. <laughs> yep. That's One wild. Of what a cool thing to be able to earn. Like, like something that's been the exact figure that people have looked at and, like, like uh, you know, like, drooled over for, like, decades. Whenever mm. they look at these, uh, these catalogs. Well, in the age of the internet, those catalogs are very famous. So... That's that's a very heartwarming story. Love, love, love it. Anyways, Paul, you had something you wanted to add? Yeah, add it's, it, it just, it, it's something I want to throw in in the misconception thing. Rob had a misconception about Target being an alien. I had a misconception as a kid that was shattered, thanks to David, hmm. that pretty much every helmeted G.I. Joe 
like in my mind, every Cobra Joe, Cobra toy that had a non-removable helmet in my mind was just a robot. They're all robots. So like Target, robot. That's actually what you, you, you actually just reminded me of it when you mentioned he was an alien. I was like, robot, 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 robot. They're all robots. You know, incinerators, robots. And David's like, they're not robots, they're people. And I'm like, no, they're not. He's like, yes, they are. And, like, and I think it was the Crimson Guard or something that made me, um, that triggered his reaction. And he's like, no, it's not a robot because I think I, like, he shot my character. And I was like, I'm not going down because I'm a robot, whatever. And then <laughs> when we watched the movie and he's like, see, they're not robots. The well, <laughs> Crimson Guards are not robots. Into a Crimson Guards helmet. But like Annihilator, Incinerators, like those things don't have places for noses. There's not enough space in those helmets. They must be robots. A human yeah. head does not fit in there very well. Yeah. Certainly Sounds not like robots. The O-ring track style Viper, of robot. Head. Yeah. Track Viper. Yeah. What's with that big flat section at the back? Or small yeah. flat <laughs> section. Very narrow. Robot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's robot me. Concept. I'm dry on this conception now. Sorry. Which means I... that it's time for a little reach into Postbox the Pit with Rob. Oh, Rob yeah, reads the internet. <laughs> <laughs> So the one that I quite liked because it also kind of like ties into um, stuff. So this this is the first one was two forty seven when toys age badly. Um, J Mart uh, he mentions for the Joe Force side it was all of Battle Force two thousand. I only liked one of the team members Blaster and disliked all the vehicles. The concept just didn't click with me. As for Cobra, it was the Buzzball, cool concept, but in hand just fell flat. And which is interesting because I mean, Stephen, I think it was literally in that episode, wasn't it? Where you give us a how to actually play with the buzzball. Um, and, and yeah, I'd like to think that most people don't really like the Battle Force 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you were an early ish adopter of the buzzball. You certainly got one before. Oh, for me. sure. I, I always liked it. Really? I thought it was. Uh, a, because... Well, maybe not always, but I mean, like, like having like seen it and, and like having to choose, because I always had that obsession with like needing to own stuff that steven didn't own um nice. the buzzball seemed like a cool toy um it seemed like a proper sci-fi toy and and just something fun and different from most everything else that you could get from, from gi joe you definitely were the the offbeat kid like tanks helicopters planes forget that i want the spinning saw blade Give it to me. vehicle Got to <laughs> shit. Yep, yep, yep. all right what's next well i i wasn't involved in the next episode um because i wasn't feeling too good but um episode 248 sergeant slaughter and other reveals where where the boys discuss all the really cool new toys that were, were coming out um Oh, who was it that I, I liked that the comment of? They were actually pretty straightforward comments. I think when I'm not involved, people don't bother with commenting so much. Um, <laughs> but if you'd like your comment read out by Rob, be sure to scroll down and go Hell down yeah. in the YouTube comments thread. And who knows? Maybe he'll pick yours to be read out on the show. And uh, so, Paul and I to pass judgment on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, well, so uh -huh. I'll just I'll just pick any one of them really. Um, MC DJ ACDC said that hey. he's very excited about this that entire wave of classified figures except for Zorana. He totally hmm. is disappointed in how she looks. 
Okay. So he's excited for them, but Zorana does not meet his standards of what Zorana should look like. Fair, fair. But I'd I reckon be curious next week, guys, these comments are going to be very interesting. Bit more. What exactly it is about Zorana's appearance that doesn't sit well. I mean, Zorana's... Well, maybe a, he'll tell us. All the female O-ring figures are, are tricky, man. They don't... All of them have failings. Let's put it that way. They just can't. None of them I mean, are... they did so few of them, I think, you know, that they just didn't wrap their head around the feminine form as well as they could the, the male form. Mm. Whereas the six inch now, you can have attractive females with all the articulation looking good. Um, yeah, know. uniquely so, themselves. Yeah, and still look cool and look militaristic, which is nice. Enough people have, have said that they don't like the classified Zorana design for me to question my own taste. <laughs> Let's mm. put it that way. Like, Good so Lord. Andrew, you might well be in the majority there. Um, and Stephen is going to be getting this figure. Or, we, gotta, I mean, we, would if, if we got to get it in why. hand to, <laughs> to, to finally pass judgment. Um, Working on it. <laughs> absolutely you have to buy it to be able to tell them you don't like it <laughs> look one thing's for sure like the the hair swapping mechanism is creepy as all hell like the results <laughs> may vary but just the process by which you take lady j's hat off and reveal her dome so weird. with that ridge <clears throat> and then replace it with the hatless hair like that's never going to be a comfortable transition <laughs> yeah but yeah I mean, Close we'll see what the results are like. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Andrew follows okay. up in the comments. As Taurus said, I don't like her face. Let's change it, yes? <laughs> <laughs> He's still going to get her regardless, though. So uh, who wins at the end of the day? Hasbro <laughs> wins. Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's our episode, guys. Uh, Hell yeah, blast. Dude. Thanks to the Bergforce for joining us live. Thanks to everyone out there for listening to us uh, after the fact. Uh, where were you, man? You missed the party. No, I'm kidding. We <laughs> love you all. Us. We see you. G.I. Joeberg is thankful that we have any following at all. This was just a fireside chat between three friends. And oh, Andy. Has blossomed into a community. And we absolutely adore the fact that, yeah, man, it's, it's thriving. And we can reach out and, and, and speak to like-minded people across the world. We're um, still around I'm very... almost 250 episodes later. How many years now? Eight years? Four, five, six, seven, eight? Eleven years? Uh, I'm, years. I'm not so secretly very smug about the kind, the, the caliber, the quality of people that post on our Facebook group or follow us on Instagram or tweet us. Like, Job, in, in a world where communities can, can often kind of be soured by disagreements and falling outs and, and people bringing things that don't necessarily relate to toys uh, to the table, I, I'm very proud of G.I. Joburg and, and hope that it stays that way. <laughs> I hope I haven't <laughs> jinxed it now. But yeah, no, I, 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 I like the refuge that I find. It's true. I think thankfully group. it's... We bring the focus on G.I. Joe and the people that listen to us and watch us, they, they bring the focus too. Uh, I think that's really cool. There's so much stuff going nice. on in the world that you don't need to talk about it all the bloody time. You know, like it's, it's, it'll always be there. Um, so I salute like you, the Joburg community. Thank you. Thank you for being great people. 
And with that, I think it's time to uh, chasse out the door. Uh, as always, cha -cha. once again, cha -cha. thanks cha -cha. to cha -cha. the Berg Force for keeping the, the lights burning at GHQ. You guys are awesome. And it's much appreciated. Nine nine. Keep us alive. Nine nine. Thanks for joining us. Two forty nine. We are out. Out and out. Out. Oh, this conception's Catchy title, man. I like it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I came up with it. It's got. It's got to be good. Good job, Come me. On. I came up with it. Who came up with it? I did. Berg. Berg be now. Did it's Rob good. come up with it? I came up with it. If it's Bloody bad, hell. someone else did. <laughs> okay, you came up with it. Later, <laughs> everybody. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.